Uh, so guys, just to <laughs> clear up anything, we're going to talk about Three Minute Baby. It is not, the, it is not the Jeffrey Epstein story. <laughs> You're going to get like a bunch of weird sickos like saying he wasn't a pedophile. Dudes who know like every age of consent, including like the you know like Canada and like Puerto Rico and like weird territories. The last thing we need is litigation over uh, age appropriateness. Well, I mean, do we want engagement from that crowd? I guess no all engagement is good engagement. In Not way. that engagement. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we don't want the Tyson Tuesday pedophiles. We're gonna start. We're gonna start getting Patreon payments in crypto. Here's, is is there anything worse than a pedantic pedophile? <laughs> Ped peds. Well, one could argue just pedophile is the worst, but I suppose if they're pedantic well, on top of it, then yeah. So that's I an mean, extra you know, ped, uh, a pedophile is like the penultimate worst, but then a pedantic one—that's that's even worse. Yeah. Ped peds. Ped pads. <laughs> pad yub yub. Yeah, that's like a Seinfeld argument. He's a double ped. <laughs> a, a pad pad. A double pad. A double oh pad, Jerry. <laughs> Shh. Listeners, welcome to another episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, joined as always by my my heroin smuggling friends Joe and Duff. Yeah, quick, get me a diaper. <laughs> three men in a podcast. Yes, <laughs> the third movie of the Three Men trilogy. Um, <laughs> That's after they uh, they lose everything. There was supposed to be a third one. Yes, there was Three Men and a Bride, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, which I, also... wa- I want to know what the thinking was with that, but anyway. Well, I think I guess it's get, it kind of gets father of the bride kind of energy, probably. Oh, okay. So, so we we're starting a new season. You know, we're back, right? I mean, it, we're like John Wick. You know, people talking, they're saying we're back. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're back. I yeah, I guess. Um, Here we are right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's been. It's been a few months. People. We we dug up all the weapons from our basement after someone called <laughs> our marker. Uh, and we're we have a new season. This is a very special season. This is some news, Joe. Potentially close listeners might not know this. I think we said it in the last episode. But. Um, we probably did. But we are talking about uh, a new season. How how to be a dad, Joe? <sighs> yeah, man. And and we have we have I think we have the right amount of experience in here to talk about this um i've done it in the past joe is currently in the midst of early fatherhood and duff is in the he's uh he's he's unchecked that box and decided i'm not going down that route i have living the life i have however fostered several dogs which is about as close as i'll ever i mean you i'll it it, like a lot of people are instantly going to recoil at that statement but I'm going to defend you and say, like, fostering, like, a dog that isn't potty trained is an enormously oh, stressful ex- exactly. endeavor. Oh, exactly. I wasn't even making it as a joke. Um, well, kind of. But um, because, like, one of the dogs uh, was not very toilet trained and you had to, it, much like a kid, you could not leave it for a second and had to constantly be watching it. Hmm. That said, shut up, Duff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was about to come in there and be like, "Joe, come on now." You, you, much, you, you knew what you knew. I had it. Also, also much like a baby, you just put it in a crate overnight. And then, <laughs> yep. You just yeah. shut the crate and let it bark it out. <laughs> <laughs> Has to learn someday. How was um, how was there those dogs with breastfeeding? Were they able to latch? <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> it's not your problem either, Joe. It so, is, dude. It yeah, it is. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Well, well, Joe, you know, first off, you know, to, to have it recorded, congratulations. <laughs> For proof. <laughs> For proof that we, congratulations on fatherhood. Yeah, thanks, man. You're doing it. Uh, how many How many weeks has it been now? Uh, I was just looking, actually. Uh, seven and a half now. Seven and a half. Oh, yeah. And, and it's probably, <laughs> like, can you count the amount of hours of sleep you've had in that time? Uh, I mean... Th- 
the last week, like it's been, he gets up every two hours, pretty much twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, but like usually in like from like six in the morning to like ten or eleven, he'll like maybe get a three hour sleep in sometimes. But yeah. So I don't know. I'm not really sure how much sleep I've gotten. More than my well, wife. I'll say yeah. that. But like I, I, it takes me a really long time to fall asleep. So that's mostly been the problem. Like some mm. people, you know, they're tired and you can just go down and like fall asleep in five minutes. I think that's like a superpower. So I probably yeah. would get more if I could fall asleep relatively promptly after, you know, being done feeding him. Yeah, that's fair. That's it is. It is nice as someone who like loves the nap over here. I like being able to fall asleep at times whenever I'd like to fall asleep. If it makes you feel better, I can instantly fall asleep, but then I have weird quality sleep. <laughs> so I get <laughs> yeah, night terror doth. Night night <laughs> night terrors and like weird stressful dreams. So Well, all right. So Joe, is there anything else you want to share well, to yeah, kind of just, intro I, in the season? I just thought, you know, it, it could be a, a challenge. I mean, some of our weaker seasons you could probably see we were struggling to come up with a theme. Oh no, never mind. They've all been great. But oh, like, yeah. Uh, I was like, well, I mean, this is a life event, and and I think that it, there's so many movies about parenting and sort of domestic life. I thought let's let's focus on the dads, and it certainly will not be excluding excluding mom talk completely. But you know, I'm not a mom, so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that. Or no, or last thing would be is go on here and tell people how to be moms. We no. would never have a season called How to Be a Mom. <laughs> no, of course not. So so I thought what we could do is take some movies that each of which sort of explores fatherhood either from a different perspective or from a different sort of stage in the, the child's life. So today we, we're going with infant. Now, a lot of movies that center on babies are, almost all of them are incredibly silly. And I don't mm -hmm. think that this one's totally an exception, but I was pretty, you know, I mean, I mean, we are not really it's totally usually... getting into it, I, but it's unusually somewhat shockingly more serious than I expected it to be. Most yeah. movies are like the baby escapes or the yeah. baby. The baby's like, day out. They're, baby's they're, day out. Yeah. yeah. Or there's. there's or look who's talking. Yeah. There's hijinks. I mean, and I'm, there's almost hijinks on this, but not, not the same as like baby's day out or well, something like that. It's interesting because this is, um, you know, there was like a late 80s to early 90s, like probably about a, what, five to seven or eight year span where Hollywood is making these quote unquote baby pictures, right? Where they were like, let's just put a bait. Let's put some cute babies in something and have them do stuff with actors. And, uh, do you, like, you know, that was a Hollywood thing for a while. <laughs> like that it, was, <laughs> well, I mean the eighties was the, the decade of like family sitcoms. So you got a lot of baby and early childhood stuff there, but you know what, what I was thinking about is, you know what Hollywood just went absolutely nuts for in the very late 80s was multiple dads like yeah. like mm -hmm. there th did this movie come out like the same time as full house premiered oh that's uh, pretty close pretty I close think, yeah. right because full house is 87 and so, this movie came out in 87 as well and then you had the the my two dads show with paul reiser yeah, like yeah. just um, america could not get enough of the idea of of dads working it out for themselves in the late 80s yeah, uh, that was also nineteen eighty seven. My two dads is that is wild, and 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 it's in the eighties and and maybe a little into the early nineties. There's just so many movies just about sort of that domestic, uh, like parenting lifestyle, because and that might have been like the last gasp where you could be a, like a middle class person and having a child doesn't like bankrupt you. <laughs> also, I mean, is this part of this generational too? I mean, I know we love to talk about baby boomers but like you know they were a dominant force from like a commerce standpoint oh they yeah were becoming parents at this point yeah it, yeah um so yeah so three men and a baby um you know i don't i don't think i need to spend a lot of time going over the plot here but there are there, is, there are some things you might have forgotten that yes. are pretty wild <laughs> so before i get into this let me just say i was this is a movie where i was like oh maybe i'll watch it with my son and then i did the like oh let me just see you know read on imdb or somewhere about what happens in that movie to be before i hit planet because i've seen it but it's forever ago and i was like oh. has has sam learned about heroin smuggling yeah yet? i was like i'm not ready for a heroin conversation <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh my wife and i watched it and she was also commenting while she was watching it where she's like i watch this all the time as a kid and all this stuff must have just gone right over my head 
Um, yeah. Yeah. But we have we have our three leads. We have um, these three leads who live in New York in this incredible <laughs> bachelor pad. Let's talk about. There's so much to break down here. Okay? Oh my god! So we got three. Well, kind of two bachelors and one guy who's in an what an open relationship. Yeah, we, was, have Tom he, Selleck, we have. He's the only successful one, I would say. Is Tom I mean, Selleck. once again, the dude with the mustache is the swinger. <laughs> well, I would say. If they can afford that place in New York, like they all must be pulling it. I mean, Gutenberg's a cartoonist, yes, who has obviously a successful enough one where he, he a woman is some, impressed by it. He made some weird amalgamation of Garfield and Chester Cheetah. Also, <laughs> yeah. his room is a little boy's room. Okay, so that <laughs> I guess if we, I guess let's okay, let's start by just kind of characterizing them. So Gutenberg is the younger guy. I mean, he's younger in real life, and I. It's sort of implied that they're all like swinging like bachelor age, even yeah. though Danson and Selleck are, I think, in their mid forties when this was made. And, yeah, uh, and then Gutenberg, I think, is about ten years younger than them. Also, Tom Selleck is a dude who never looked young. Like yeah. he's yeah. he's always yeah. just kind of looked like. I mean, he's an a absolute hand- hunk. He's it's a handsome, hand- like handsome dude, but yeah, just like try to imagine like, oh, Tom Selleck as a teen can't do it. He's Can't eternally imagine. like forty three years old. Yeah, yeah. He came out of the womb with that mustache. So Gutenberg is like his, his issue is that he just wants to. He's. Uh, I guess people get mad when you use this term, but I think it's accurate for him. He just gets friend zoned all the time by yeah. women. Always a bridesmaid. And Tom Selleck is an uh, architect who is dating someone, but like they they're allowed to see other people, but I'm he doesn't. Gonna... It's weird. I didn't really totally get what it's, was going on. I'm actually going to defend this relationship in a little bit because um, it you would think it's going to set it up somehow as, like, he's in this relationship with this woman and they're both allowed to see other people and he's going to get jealous about it. But it never happens. Like, I don't <laughs> – they seem to just be like, yep, that's what we're decided to do. And they both seem pretty happy about it. Well, it is, he's kind of annoyed it, with – was it him with the musician that she brings over, the Hungarian? Yeah, but that's – but that's because he like wanted her help. He didn't care that she was on a date. He just wanted her help. Yeah, and the fact that, it is. Like, you know, it is a little bizarre. Maybe not bizarre, but you know, I get the whole like, oh, we're not exclusive yet. They've been going out five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been going so out a while. It, the the movie early in the movie, there's a party, and he wants her to stay over, and she's like, no, I've work early in the morning, and I'm like, that's what you do when you're on like you've gone on six or seven dates, and it's been like less than three months. They've been dating for five years, yeah. and they're having like the argument about whether she's going to stay over. It's so weird. Um, we need to talk about how this apartment is decorated. Yeah, okay. okay, so there's this montage in the beginning. Gutenberg paints a mural that you see, and it's just the three dudes in like tuxedos, like <laughs> chilling, and then it. with dancing girls all around. It's utterly bizarre if you walked into someone's i got off an elevator into their penthouse where they live and one of these three roommates had painted a mural as a as a celebration of just how much these three dudes rock <laughs> it is so we're not gonna have that mural of us when we live yeah, together yeah it would be basically like if we sh- if we had a flat and and you get off this get off this elevator we're our age just, now and they're yeah <laughs> older Older yeah. than us. Ted D- Ted Danson was probably in his mid forties. Yeah, at this so part. so like like five six years older than us, and you get off, and there's just a, a, a literally a painted wall where the three of us are wearing our headphones, giggling into microphones. It is, it's all everything in the apartment is white, and it's full of like goofy Garfield style drawings. Okay, this this apartment owns except it would cost Gut- an absolute it- fortune. Except for Gutenberg's insane ten-year-old boys, yeah. like all Garfield room. He, he has a ten-foot which... by ten-foot square-foot room with no windows that where he brings girls in and, and comforts them about their ex-boyfriends. His, his so, bed looks like a play, like a ch- a toddler's playmat that got expanded to the size of a grown man. He, they just recently removed the car frame from the mattress. <laughs> and also, this must be—it has a private elevator, so this must be a penthouse. Yeah, yeah. And cut... also, they they mentioned that Tom. Alex's character, because he's an architect, builds rooms. So they almost the way this is pitched is that he's built rooms onto this. Yeah, like, yeah, like later on, they they like I 
I mean, they the the mother of the baby, like they want her to move in, and he just is like, "Oh, I'll build you another room." Like you can't make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. Right, is it gonna extend into the air outside? <laughs> this is this is up there of Buffalo Bill's basement. I want a floor map of this apartment because because it, there <laughs> there yeah there there is a a pool table room. Yep. And also, there is a weird video like, room where Tom yeah. Selleck just shows well, they watch sports. the NBA together, like bros. <laughs> you know that Tom Selleck's a bit of a photo nut. <laughs> There's they also, also like, a, like greenhouse a greenhouse. Room? Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. where they grow their pot. <laughs> it's incredible. It, it's, yeah, if it, you were tr- gonna live in that, and, and it looks like it overlooks Central Park. Yeah, that does. would cost what a million dollars a month. Even in the 80s, yeah, it would just I mean, be incredibly expensive. It's, and it's the Prasada. So I mean, it's an apartment building. They keep how, throwing it up. It is how, the Prasada. How did they meet? Are they just college friends? Because you have, a, I guess, I guess, that, I guess yeah. an okay actor. Like, he's in commercials and stuff. You have an architect. And I guess Gutenberg is making fairly big bank if it's gotten to the point where his weird thing is merchandised into a, a plush doll. Yeah, if it's like a syndicated cartoon, I would think that especially in the 80s when yeah. that was a bigger deal, that's probably pretty good money. Yeah, I think Ted Danson and Tom Selleck are college friends and then through I don't know Tom how much Selleck's... his parents I don't know how much his parents let him keep every month for his allowance, but <laughs> but he probably... I think I think Tom Selleck and uh Ted Danson are college friends and then I bet Tom Selleck met Steve Gutenberg through work somehow. He's like, all right, so he's about 10 years younger than us. He'll help us pay rent, and we don't have to worry about him stealing any of the girls we bring home. <laughs> and we can finally paint that mural we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you know how I've always wanted a goofy mural of us? Like when you go to the boardwalk and that guy makes a caricature of you on a skateboard? It's, yes! Listen to this. So the I whole love, intro I'm... is like a sped-up montage of... Gutenberg painting this mural, and then Tom Selleck and Ted Danson just slaying chicks. Guys, I well, like Tom, the not mural. so much Tom Selleck, but like him flirting with women, I guess. I mean, and then Ted Danson just a like a parade a, of women, a revolving door of women, all set to a horrendous Miami Sound Machine song. Yes. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> like it. It's the worst. It's the very worst of the of eighty cinema. It but. destroyed a part of me like the second it started up. And it <laughs> also is there a more eighties logo than what no. popped oh, up? Oh yeah, that's no. that's great. I I see. I love everything we're talking about. This beginning, the painting, the Miami Sound Machine. Uh, I was I, laughing. I, was I don't know delighted. if I was laughing at it or. I mean, with it's it, it's kind of funny, ironically, but. <laughs> But, like, uh, in 1987, when you saw that, you were supposed to be like, yeah, look at these cool dudes. Look, look at, they're just bros living together, having caricatures of themselves on the wall. Like, okay, so, I, I, I mean, it's not cool to me now, for sure. But if you were, like, what, 13 in mm-hmm. 1986, like, you maybe would have, like, not Dude, realized was, how weird that mural was, I guess. If I was 22... I would be like, yeah, that's the life, man. Well, actually, right now, it's the life. They just, like, I mean, I question some of the choices they're making, like, decorating-wise and style-wise, but, like, they're just rocking all the time. Yeah, I mean, this is what happened. This is not, you know, I mean, it is their fault, but, you know, they wanted to be dinks. Or trinks. (laughs) Trinks. Is that, like, a twink? Uh, They wanted to be trinks, and then this baby showed up and just ruined that whole plan. Yeah, so this... the plot of this is so convoluted and, and far-fetched. It defies... Exp- I mean, it's it's insane. Okay. It didn't bother me, really. But le- explain the mechanics of a baby being dropped into their Okay, lives. so um, or well, so here's, here's essentially two storylines that are happening in this movie. Um, it is uh, Tom Selleck's character's uh, Peter's birthday party, and everyone's over, and it's a... What a hell of a party. It's catered. Guys. It is like a professional catered party. It looks party. like a lot of fun. And I will say my favorite part that did remind me of something Joe and I would do is when Tom Selleck just went with his boys to the video room and just watched old NBA Yeah, highlights. he's like, oh, this is the most clutch shot in NBA history, and <laughs> no one really cares, but they're just happy they're getting free booze and stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's just rewinding a VHS tape over and over again. Awesome. He probably had, like, every Knicks game taped on VHS, which I guess that's kind of cool, I suppose. Is yeah, I mean, I listen, there are parts of this movie where I'm like, yeah, this I, looks I fun. It. I mean, you know, 
we we've all had friends that were drunk and insisted on showing you too many YouTube videos, right? Yes, we've also I've also been that friend. Yeah, um, I've been, been that friend too. So okay, so then essentially uh, a guy uh, that knows um, Ted Dance's character was like, "Hey, I want to have a package dropped off for you. Just hold on, dude, and you know uh, I'll pick it up in a few days." Or yeah, he's Already. like a guy that directed commercials he was in. Yeah, and Ted Dance already like, well, a red flag right yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, and Ted Dance is like, well, I'm going to uh, Turkey uh, for for a movie role, so I won't be here. So he tells the other roommates, like, yeah, there's going to be a package. Don't worry about it. So everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. So then in the morning, um, <laughs> Ted Ted Danson's gone. It's just Tom Selleck going for his run. Yeah, just getting fit. Yeah, Man, what a body back. he's got, by the way. I'm not ashamed <laughs> to say it. Tom Selleck is just ripped. Uh, just, he is. Like, is he, like, like the zaddy energy just emanating off of him, it, it you can smell it off the screen. Oh just yeah, sweaty muscles, a tiny little tank top, the mustache. He, Holy shit! Yeah, the smell of vision of this movie would be worth it just for the time cell scene. It would look, just smell like just for men. We're we're gonna get into it, but this was the number one movie of the year, and uh, I I think the ladies had a lot to do with that, yeah. and probably the guys. But at this point in time, they wouldn't admit it. Yeah, uh, and so he comes back from his run, and there's a damn baby like in like a like a, in a, a just, fair, it's like a it's like a, in a lace carriage yeah like from like 1914 yeah uh <laughs> this is a bit they that stole I, a baby from the set of barry linden and dropped it off in there this the is a bit that i miss from like really like it, it happened a lot in cartoons but also like you know like in you Batman said returns yeah like there'd be you know there, there'd be an orphan and just like please take care of my baby and it's just oh there's a bassinet with a baby in it. <laughs> oh i guess we have a baby now uh so them's, yeah them's the think, rules <laughs> they think this is the package that Morons. they were supposed to get just so absolute dimwits <laughs> <laughs> so they're very confused by it um and, and they're you know, and, and to be fair to them they're a baby shows up on your doorstep in New York City. There's there's no apparatus for dealing with that kind of an issue, right? You just have to. Oh, it's too big for the toilet. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> don't don't flush it. It's gonna grow up to be like those uh, crocodiles in the sewers. It'll be, <laughs> It'll be queen of the crocodiles. Well, yeah. it has a note, so they know whose it is. Yes, it's Ted Danson's. Um, but once again, this is you know, he's in he's in he's in Turkey, so they have to wait. To talk to him. Imagine uh, how, and they are pissed, but oh imagine how pissed you would be if the three of us lived together. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to Europe for six weeks. The day after I leave, a baby shows up, and you're just stuck with it. Oh, my uh, God. So they they immediately commit to this baby. Well, like, there, there's no... They have no choice. Well, In but the there's, movie world, they don't. Right, yeah. but there's no, like, oh, should we call social services? Like, what do you do with a baby? Tom Selleck immediately runs to the grocery store. I, and well, this to is be where, fair, like, the movie's kind of good for a while here. Like, I, I actually found this fairly funny, and I didn't expect it to be. But I feel like this movie goes a long ways on charm. Yeah, but, like, it is, like, the, the, the choices that are presented to you like, like he goes there, they're like, what do you feed a baby? And they're like, does he say, like, milk? It's like a king of a cow's milk or something. So he goes to the store to buy formula, and he's just baffled. Like, what kind of formula do you get? And the lady at the store is trying to help him. It is kind of, like, hard. There is, there is something, too, also about, like, when you're not a parent, you don't even pay attention to the fact that there's a baby aisle. Like, it has, it, it doesn't even exist in your mental map of a store. And... You know, even it's when the he's aisle like, you skip over. Yeah, and then when he goes into it, it's kind of that like, yeah, I've never been in this thing. Holy crap! There's a lot of stuff. It, well, it's it's like the soda aisle. It's like, why are there so many different kinds of soda? And yeah, and like we, you know, everybody sort of grew up drinking it, so you know what you like because over the course of your 30 years on Earth, you know you like this, you don't like that. But why is there so many different kinds of diapers? So he buys. Um, he ends up buying like eight different kinds of formula. He buys which, adult diapers, is what he's putting on. Yeah, that and then and then yeah, he doesn't. And and I actually the first time I went out to buy diapers, I accidentally bought the wrong size because I bought size one, mm. and apparently there's a size. Yeah, I get N. newborns. Well, there's a size N, but but the I in my defense, the aisle was in order like one, two, three, and so on, but the ends weren't to the left of the ones. So the ones were farthest to the left, and then the numbers went up. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm getting that stock I just want to point out that whoever was, like, this is probably, like, a million years ago, but 
whoever decided like we're gonna have this line of diapers that uses both letters and numbers yeah that person should be shot well like it's not like the one is for when the baby's one years old you know so like that that start is just with the one that is just poor communication right there. Well, I well, think it's like to get you man. to. I think it's to accidentally get you to buy the wrong diapers, and then you're like, "Ugh, I'm not gonna you take know, it back." What's your first? What do you? What's your first year in school? It's not grade one, my friends. That's dumb too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, you're you're just knocking down the whole system now, man. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, the, the other. Why do we drive on the parkway? <laughs> the other <laughs> park on the driveway. Happening here is that. Uh, there is the drop-off of the real package, which we find out is heroin. Yeah, it's like the size of a VHS tape, and it sort of arrives, and they're like, oh, all right, whatever, and they just set it aside. And, yeah, it turns out it's filled with tiny packets of heroin. So I didn't know that was coming in this movie. I, and I was I like, had there's com- a drug-dealing subplot? I had, I know I'd seen this, and I, I found out that I remembered some bits of the third act. I had completely forgotten that basically it turned like in some ways it turns into Beverly Hills cop. <laughs> like, it does for a while. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it, so the, essentially we have those subplots and then the big thing is Ted Danson comes home and, uh, you know, kind of has to go through the same thing that the other two had already gone through and learning how to be a dad. And, uh, you know, by the end they embrace their roles and the mom comes back and she's going to move in with them and, uh, all four of them, We'll be living happily in a full house, if you will. Not before we get a a rush to the airport scene to yes. to yeah. stop. Nancy Travis shows up like with about fifteen minutes of the movie left and says she's going to take the baby back to London and then decides not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I don't have anything more to add to that. Her character, her character is an absolute plot device that moves around to push things forward and back. Yeah. Well, luckily there's a sequel where I still, as memory serves, she's still not really a fleshed out character, but I think she's in it more. Um, so a lot happening, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Can I make one quick comment about the movie itself? Mm-hmm. Please. I enjoyed Tom Selleck quite a bit. Now I'm not going to go down to Indiana Jones rabbit hole. But I enjoyed oh Tom God. Selleck a lot in this movie. Yeah. I enjoyed Ted Danson a lot in this movie as well. There's a problem. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah, I'm not and surprised you're a Gutenberg hater. I do not like Steve Gutenberg. He's I'm, horrendous. The, uh, on, the only thing I've ever seen Steve Gutenberg in that was good was that episode of Party Down. He is... A, this is one of the, like, you know, looking back on the 80s and trying to understand things i don't understand the steve gutenberg craze i don't understand how he was a star i don't either i don't either and the sad thing is you know you look he at seems like a nice guy oh like i'm not slandering him as a person but i i've never seen any steve gutenberg content I'm like yeah this guy well and the thing is is like what makes it even sadder is i was reading about other potential actors that they were going to have instead of him and the two top names like would have to me, made a huge difference in this movie, and it's either Tom Hanks or Michael Keaton. And if it, if if Steve Gutenberg was replaced by one of those two, this is a significantly better movie because all three actors have a chance. Either the is an one with the baby. Uh, uh, yeah. and Gutenberg's terrible. All right. To be fair to Gutenberg, just just to embrace debate, <laughs> okay. you could take almost any movie and any actor and say, oh well, if you were to replace him with Tom Hanks or Michael Keaton, it would have been better. Well, you're not wrong. That's absolutely true. But in this, but in this, like the whole thing that makes this movie work is these three guys and their hijinks together, and also with the baby, and especially when it's like Tom Selleck and the baby, and it's uh, you know scenes of Ted Danson and the baby. Like the actors got to do a lot of work there to make it work, and they do. Like they they are really making it work, and then the Steve Gutenberg and the baby is is a real tough like ten minutes. I also don't think Steve Gutenberg has any real chemistry with Selleck or Danson either, or a baby. Like he he's he's zero for three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you guys. He's not great. Uh, it's 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 and, and like when he there are some sequences where he has to carry things by himself, like that uh the harrowing sequence where Selleck's at the grocery store and he's at home alone trying to get the baby to stop crying yes. which is <sighs> which is the most stress he just doesn't have the chops to sort of he's he's trying act to... alone basically i mean the there's a baby there i guess but 
but yeah, you you kind of got to act. He's not funny enough to to do it. Whereas Tom Hanks, I'm sure. Uh, but again, like Tom Hanks is one of the best to ever. Do it. So yeah, yeah, and you're right. I mean that that is Paul Reiser would be an interesting guy to to take that spot too. Like um, where he's not as talented an actor as the two, you know, as Keaton and Hanks. So it seems like a little bit more fair. And he's okay. can't be. He's got to be around the same age as. Let me, let me throw out four more names that were rumored, um, and I okay. want you to just quickly say yay or nay to them, okay? Like, as, as they'd be better than him? Yes. Okay. All Ready? Right. Yeah. I'm going to go from stardom, from the highest Light- star to the lowest star. Lightning here. round here. Bruce Willis. Mm. At this at this point, yay. I think, uh, I, I, th- I think I'd rather have Gutenberg, because I think Bruce Willis has just too much masculine energy he can't play that kind of a character, you know. Um, John, also, John, I guess you also have you already have one alpha with Zelix, so yeah. may, maybe I'll change it to Nay. John Travolta. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't uh, like. He's too sex. He's too sexy. Like, I, I, he, sorry. Sincerely, Nay. Nay. Yeah, I don't do sexy. I do I want to see that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this one I think will I think we'll we'll get good results on this one. Michael J. Fox. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. All right. This one's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Tony Danza. Oh. Yay. Actually yay. I, I think I, so too. I, he would he would have he would have killed it too. I think Michael J. Fox and uh and t- Tony Danza both would have been great. I I could see Tony Danza having some good like individual scenes with the baby because tony danza can be like sort of the silly guy off to the side and 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 he's he but like when he when he's mad you know at to dance like it would be like believable and it would be mm-hmm. meaningful whereas mm-hmm. gutenberg is like oh no steve gutenberg's mad at me what am so I so tony tony danza's only ever played one role in his life and that's tony danza but you know what it would I work like, here. I like Tony Danza. So I think what we really have here is we've come across something. Whenever we measure if someone is good, like where they are in a movie, if they were good or, or bad, they have to pass the Tony Danza line. And we imagine Tony Danza in that role instead. And if Tony Danza is a better fit, then the actor does not pass that test. Yeah. I, I, I think this is a good rule. I, I don't I, – <laughs> I mean, if, if, if what we're doing is like the third billing in a comedy – yeah, I think but, for anything. But how anything? I just think, would he be better than Tony Danza in Jaws? Uh, I mean, like a lot of people <laughs> would. Like, what are you talking about? What well, no, you take the actual movie you're talking about? I, I think it's a comedies only like measure. Because okay. I can't. You can't I, like. I, I can't like be like. Now I'm just I'm just imagining now I'm just imagining Tony Danza's the Richard Dreyfus role in Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know who would be who would be better uh, in, in uh, for Terminator Two is the T1000. Does he pass the Tony Danza test? Well, I was thinking this like Waterworld of Kevin Costner. Would Tony Danza have been better in Waterworld? No, no. So well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's what my point is. Well, like, wait, hold on. Everyone hold would on. be better than him for like action and science fiction movies. For the Kevin Costner role, no. For the Dennis Hopper role, uh, maybe. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you want to see that though. I've put that in your brain, and now you want to see. I it. mean, okay, you're right. I do want to see it. Uh, who's better as Genghis Khan in The Conqueror, John Wayne or Tony Danza? Oh, he's easily Tony Danza. Tony Danza, yeah. <laughs> The Tony Danza line has been established. Who's who's the boss? It's Genghis Khan. (laughs) (laughs) I I I I would love him to do his like Tony Danza accent playing Genghis Khan too. (laughs) (laughs) Just a thick Bronx Italian accent. Okay. All right. All right. So the Mongols. (laughs) Um. Uh. I know. Do you guys have anything else about the actual movie before we get into baby takes and dad takeaways? And yeah, other, I mean, uh, if uh, I, I guess there, there's also a pretty sweet montage to close the film as well. I'll point that out. Like it, it, it but the movie's book ended with montages, mm-hmm. and at the end, it's just them just rocking with a baby, throwing the frisbee around. Yeah, like I, having th- a good time. That, yeah, I mean. I'd say I maybe could would all three of us agree like the closing montage is a good feel good one if you didn't dig the first one. I mean, I like I said, the fact that Danson and Selleck are just, you know, 
I just think they charm their way into into like f- forcing this to be an enjoyable thing for me. I'm not a fan of this movie. I was I was not. I'd seen it and remembered bits of it. Uh, I think, and to be fair, I think... You just kept thinking it'd be weird if someone just dropped a dog off at your house. You have to take care I, of it for... Would yeah, be weird. Oh God, I'd, can you imagine? I'd have to set the crate up. You have to walk it like twice a day. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's not the movie's fault because it feels very sitcom-ish. Yeah. And it just, you know, everything... I don't know. Maybe it. I don't know if it's the movie's fault that it's just like again. We talked about how in the eighties it was like, oh, let's watch these goofy dudes try to take care of a baby, and that was probably more novel and actually entertaining at the time. And it it doesn't do anything for me now. And this is coming from someone who thinks that uh, not just Selleck, but Ted Danson, one of the most charismatic stars of TV ever. Uh, so yeah, it. This movie didn't do much for me. And with with the, you know, saying that I do think Selleck and Danson do really good work here. I, I thought it was uh, the scenes of them, like, dealing with, like, sort of navigating taking care of a baby and having that dropped into their laps. I thought that stuff was good. But, like, basically everything that happens outside of their apartment uh, the- and, and outside of hand- taking care of the baby is really boring. Like, all the drugs. I can't believe I'm saying this. All the drug <laughs> stuff is really 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 boring. well and uh, you know i think we kind of maybe we'll get into this but uh i don't think leonard nimoy has the best technical chops like <laughs> i can't believe we went almost 40 minutes in yeah and didn't even fair. mention that that spock directed this movie yeah um that is weird <laughs> it's like a really weird thing and i remember like it's like a fact i know and i forget all the time it, you're it's, Brains cannot really reconcile that. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you told um, someone, it's like, did you know that the number one movie of 1987 was de- directed by Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> They'd be like, you just made that up. <laughs> yeah. And he had directed some Star Trek movies before, he, right? He directed uh, Star Trek 3 and 4, and 4 is generally regarded as usually like the second best um, really funny anecdote is that Shatner got super jealous and then he demanded to direct, I think, Star Trek five and everyone hates that one. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So he had, so he had some success with Star Trek beforehand before they decided to have him do this. Yeah. It's had, just a he, weird, it's a weird choice, right? I didn't think, I didn't think it was like bad. I mean, most comedies are just sort of like, no, no, I don't the think, camera at people, and, but I've, it's, I, I agree. I think it's weird to look at like Star Trek four is very comedic, but it's because I think if you know those characters and it's a fish out of water thing, cause that's the one where they go back in time to San Francisco, is that the whale one. Yes. It's okay. the whale one. Um, but yeah, it's weird to be like, this guy is going <laughs> to direct this movie about three guys stuck with a baby. That's a comedy. And also like the hardest part about this movie I guess my thought would be like the logistics of like filming so much with a baby, right? Like yeah. that's kind of the hardest part from a director standpoint is you're like, all right, well we got to figure out how we. I mean, there's there's a baby. I there's so many directors who have said something to the extent of, uh, I'll never work with animals or kids again. It's just awful, like yeah. it, just for a variety of reasons. So yeah, the one thing about the movie I was going to say, I think people know this because similar to Leonard Nimoy thing the other like fun fact about this movie is that it's a remake yeah. of a French film which I don't know if anyone's like ever so seen many comedies uh, from yeah. like, the late 80s through like the mid 90s are are you know like um, like the birdcage yeah oh yeah that that's maybe the, the off the top of my head that's the best American remake I can think of of a foreign film like of, of, of like from this era because there, there's oh. just a lot of american remakes of like french comedies and stuff and that that's i yeah I, again I, I, I could be wrong but like off the top of my head that's the highest quality remake i can think of yeah yeah you're 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 um but you know maybe i'm wrong i don't know probably correct um the uh the other thing that you get talked about a lot and this is one of those things where this is only because of VHS, <laughs> my belief that this is talked about. But huh. one of the like famous things on this movie, or internet famous, is the ghost. Do you guys know about the ghost? Uh, yeah, I did I, while I, researching the movie for this, I, but I didn't I, know about it like 
before. Like, if we hadn't podcasted about this movie, no, I wouldn't have known. I had okay. totally forgotten about it, um, but I remember hearing something about it in the past. So it's something where there's a scene where um, where um, Ted Danson's mom shows up, and you know she's with the baby. And that was weird, wasn't it? Like she just he, he's just drowning, right? Trying yeah. to help get figure out a baby, he calls his mom to come help. She drops by for ten minutes. She's like, "Oh yeah, how about this baby?" And then just leaves. She just awesome came, mom. She just came by to teach some lessons, I guess. Gee, yeah. I wonder why Ted Danson turned into like a, an insane womanizer that couldn't commit. <laughs> After his mom, he calls her desperate for help on their phone from like 1895. Who is? And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, she drops by for 10 minutes and holds the baby for all. Oh, babies are great. And then she just leaves. Also, his his mom is like a waspy Hitchcock mm-hmm. uh, lady. Yes. It, like, it's the mom from Psycho comes by. and Yeah, uh, she's... It's like her hair is pulled so tight that, you know, no wonder she's cranky. Uh, so during that scene, there is, uh, while they're walking through the, you know, the 5,000 square foot apartment, um, you see behind, like, some curtains, this, like, cutout of, like, a person. And so, like, the rumor has it that this was, like, filmed in an actual apartment in New York, although that scene was shot on the set, and that that... A, a, little boy had died in that apartment beforehand and now it was haunted and that's a ghost now i can kind of understand if i had watched this on vhs right or like on tv because um the clarity isn't quite what it was but now that we have high definition it is clear as day yeah i was like what what are you idiots talking about Yeah, yeah it is Absolutely clear that it's like a standout of of Ted Danson, which is hilarious. Like Just the idea of having so, that in your in your that's another thing that makes this their home even funnier is he has a cardboard cutout of himself. Which absolutely. if one existed, I absolutely would keep one of myself. By the way, I'm not going to say I'm above it. I mean, you guys uh, would too. I would. The, <laughs> the the other part of it is if you watch the opening five minutes of this movie you know that this apartment is bananas and so yeah of course it makes sense that there's a cutout or like a mannequin or something weird yeah Yeah. and you see it again later i think too but it's one of those things where it has to be a thing that only happened because people saw this on vhs it's the same as that uh supposedly as there's dead munchkin in the wizard of oz do you remember that one the gallery they're like hanging themselves yeah Now, now that at least i remember looking at that in high school and like Sort of seeing how yeah. I can understand that one. It's I the same thing now that like we have 4K. It's like, oh uh, yeah, nope, <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's not a good true. Point. Um, so I'm guessing this has got this is the most stuff question ever. Um, we got Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, and Ted Danson, and uh, we got Mary F and Kill as a question mark on the agenda. Duff, I'm guessing you did that. Of course. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I mean, who who's not killing Steve Gutenberg in this situation? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I see we're someone all... added Nimoy to that. By the way, what? So, <laughs> there's only three options. But who typed Nimoy? Why is there four? I don't think. I my guess is we were going to talk about these four people, and then Duff put the MFK uh, thing. I, I thought I, I, I thought I indented it as like sub item one or something like that. <laughs> like it's Nimoy's but part the of way, it. The way this is uh, the way this is organized, it makes it Mary F. Kill, Sela Gutenberg, Danson, Nimoy. So like <laughs> I don't know who we. <laughs> so yeah, okay. All right, so we're the three principal leads. I, I get it now. You don't, Rob. You don't need to delete Nimoy off of it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I guess the real question is: Is are you marrying Ted Danson or are you marrying Tom Selleck? Uh, I'm I'm marrying Danson. Also, I think Selleck's so a big the, gut. So the the blackface doesn't bother you. Oh, um, I was wondering if we were gonna talk about the blackface. <laughs> Listen, um, I'm Selleck's I'm trying like to a, embrace debate. Selleck's like a big NRA nut, so. Well. I, is that as bad as blackface? <laughs> I mean, I don't so, think it is. So what do you? What do you? So you're. You, so Duff, are you saying that racism is cooler than guns? I don't know about cooler. <laughs> that's a weird way to put it. Well, you just. Um, that's the so, way you, you so, put it. So I feel like we need to explain this because this is kind of forgotten. This is forgotten. It's unbelievable how this, how Ted Danson can just continue on yeah, with an incredible career. Yeah, he just skates career. on it because it made Whoopi Goldberg, who was somehow his girlfriend, 
So the way I've it was heard funny, it, so now it's not bad. Th- well, the way I've heard it is that it was a, a Friars Club, Club roast of Whoopi Goldberg. I want to say it's like 1990. And Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg were dating at the time. And the way that I've heard the story is that um, Ted Danson uh, decided it would be a good idea that for his part of the roast, he would do some blackface, as oh you do. God. And... <laughs> But the way I've heard the story is that Whoopi Goldberg knew about it and actually wrote some of the jokes. And uh, it went over poorly. (laughs) Yes, a lot of people left. A lot of black Um, members left during it, apparently. Which, I mean, could you imagine? Yeah. So... (laughs) Uh, and Ted Danson, like, how long had Cheers been on the air at that point? Like, I mean, this eight, is 93. Eight, this is... Oh, it's a while. So, like, that is one of the whiter shows to ever exist. I mean, uh, Cheers well, had probably just ended. So he's, he's, you know, hype. He is He's testing out what he can get away with. I, I would I would say Ted Danson is as white as you could possibly be. I, I don't even think Ted Danson would argue with you. No, I know. I, it just, and it, it's, <laughs> there's nothing edgy about him at all. Yeah, anyways, whatever. So, um, so yeah, so Ted... Stanford and Carnegie Mellon education isn't edgy. <laughs> yeah. So Ted Danson um, did some rather public racism. And because this is pre-internet, um, I do remember that um, it was in the Inquirer because my dad always bought the Inquirer. He liked, <laughs> he liked to read the Inquirer. Hell yeah. Um, but I remember, like, I don't even... Would you even call it a scandal? It was just kind of like, oh, Ted Danson did blackface and some people got mad. Anyway, and, like, that yeah. was it. Like, yeah. that was sure about... it was, like, a current affair, like, a two-minute segment, and they moved on. Yeah, and, you know, he's... I mean, now he's largely... I, again, I'm just saying, like, my impression is that he's largely viewed as kind of like a liberal champion. Like, he... I think he gets does a lot of environmental stuff. Um He's been married to Mary Steenburgen for like 25 years or something. And yeah, it's yeah. just wild to remember that. He shouldn't have done that. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Like, whose blackface thing was even worse and also doesn't get enough crap for it is Billy Crystal. Because he did it like 10 years after that. Yeah. I mean, he did it a bunch of times. Also, uh, yeah. well, yeah, his whole Sammy Davis thing. Yeah, the jazz um, man thing, which also it, like, is that is, I think, maybe the most offensive thing I've ever seen. Like, because he, I'm and not counting things that are intentionally like racist. Like, I, Billy Crystal clearly doesn't think he's being racist, right? You know? And the jazz man thing was in like whenever Katrina was. Yeah, wasn't he was in it, the Katrina telecast and did like, it. I don't it know was if it was a, the telecast or just a different charity thing for it. I, I think it was it was some type of fundraiser because he mentions Katrina in it. So that was what two thousand five, six. So yeah, um, the other person who kind of gets a pass uh, remember when like daryl hammond would do jesse jackson yep yeah in the yeah. late there's 90s. a lot of saturday night live ghosts yeah. uh yeah yeah um so yeah uh jimmy fallon too did uh, uh, uh i can't remember Jim- who he played but jimmy kimmel would do his carl malone yeah, impression yeah, yeah it's bad um oh, well yeah. anyway well, okay so anyway tom so Selleck. <laughs> this is who i'm gonna marry yeah that's um, fair just because i'm just a big fan no, no blackface well, okay, but as we talk, all right, so can I tell you, and I'm just going to be quick on this one because I just watched Chinatown, uh, I rewatched Chinatown, but here's a little Tom Selleck snippet from his Wikipedia. <laughs> was he supposed to be the lead he in Chinatown? Should... Yeah, hold on, he was sued by the Municipal Water District for allegedly stealing and transferring approximately 1.4 million gallons of water from the district to the Hidden Valley District during the driest California drought since record-keeping began, which he used to water his avocado farm. Come on, man. <laughs> Did he also have an incest baby? Yeah, it's like, it's just like this one, this one sentence. It's it that, is I mean, that is, that is literally is not what the John Houston character is doing. <laughs> yes. I love how it's an avocado farm, too. I know. Incredible. It, it wasn't even like white enough to have it be an orange grove. It has to be avocados. Uh, incredible. I guess um, I'll I guess I'll marry Ted Danson because I I think Tom Selleck is better looking than him. So that's a fun little role in the hay. And mm-hmm. Ted Danson, based on Curb Your Enthusiasm, seems like he probably has a pretty good sense of humor. Not then sure. that's no disrespect to Tom Selleck. I mean, he very well may as well. But 
Also, but yeah, man, Tom uh, Selleck in those short shorts and a tank top? Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> Ted Danson is such a snappy dresser in The Good Place, though. Uh, good point. Good point. All right. Well, we, we didn't really got... talk about baby stuff yet. Yeah. So we got to get into this. So, so, so let's into... just talk about takeaways. Like, let's talk about, you know, the two of us who've dealt with a baby. Uh, I think this movie gets gets it. Not that that's a difficult thing to get right. But uh, like having a, a baby is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> like it's the, the there's nothing worse than that. And there are there are moments I think it nails like um there's the part where they finally get the baby to sleep and they have the windows open and they hear like the like the police sirens go on and they like jump up to shut the windows quickly. Like it made me giggle. It's a funny bit. It's a good bit, three men and a baby. Is it is it inspired? No. But I giggled. Yeah, I mean, they they both, like, I think Gutenberg and Selleck, I think, convincingly portray the helpless energy of new parents. Mm-hmm. And, and, I th- and I can't even imagine, like, if you're not, like, when you're having a child, you've got, you know, the nine months to sort of prepare. You can't really prepare, but at least, like, like psychologically you're aware that it's coming. But just imagining, like, one day... Like oh now you have a baby, like I uh, with no supplies, no like, supplies just, just dropped off. Yeah, um, and and so like really like the the film captures this, like really what raising a baby is is just a twenty four seven battle to get it to shut up, and figuring I mean, out what it requires to make it be quiet. Yeah, I think at one point one of the characters says, we'll just feed it and it'll shut up, right? Like, which is like, which uh, sadly is like one third true. <laughs> like, a crying baby either needs to have its diaper changed, uh, needs to eat, or a mysterious third thing. Yeah, <laughs> or, or like it's in pain or discomfort and, and there's sure. nothing you can do about it except just hate your life and want to die. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm just speaking for myself there, though. But. Well, I will say... Um, as we've like been going into the season and I'm, I'm I'm I might need to talk to my wife more about this but I feel uh I feel dumb because during this era of when I was a parent I was a very involved father I I did all the things I read the books I did all the all the things I could do as a dad now that's the other thing about being a dad is you're worthless compared to the mom just you just are um the baby will always want the mom more for obvious reasons well yeah it's the food supply it, your body yeah. doesn't make stuff nope well, but um, not the stuff it needs. <laughs> Good mother. Um, so, what what has happened though? And and Joe, we were talking about this before we started recording. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I don't remember a lot of things anymore. Like I had all this baby knowledge, and all that baby knowledge once I didn't need it anymore, just like went out of my brain, and I don't have it anymore. Like I feel. So, like, even watching this movie, there's a couple times where I was, like, I asked my wife, like, wait, is that right? Is that what they're supposed to be doing? And she would, like, correct me because I, I forgot. It all is out of my brain. It's, like, it's honestly not that dissimilar to the fact that we did an entire show on Titanic Minute. And I don't remember much from Titanic. Yeah, I was I was actually going to reference that. Which do you think you remember better? Um, I, parenting, I probably remember better the stuff that matters, but like all the inert, like all the minutia of like having a baby, which isn't minutia. It's like, you know, it's like a two hour, uh, routine. You got to just keep repeating 12 times a day, uh, is just out of my brain now. I, I was talking to a uh, loyal listener, Dennis's wife, who had dinner with them tonight. And she said she wasn't sure if it's because you're just so sleep deprived all the time or what, but like she just doesn't remember like a lot of it. It just sort of gets wiped from your brain. And I, there, I honestly think there might be like an evolutionary I reason for that because, like, for these first like six, it, it, the last like week, week and a half hasn't been as bad. But like the first month, uh, if if someone would have said, okay, you can either have another baby or you can kill yourself, I would I would have <laughs> like paused and thought about it for a while. And like I'm sure like and I, I would really I don't know if it's gonna work out, but I'd like my son to have a sibling. Uh, but just the very idea of doing this again while also having like another child in the house sounds just 
utterly impossible. But based on everything, like, you know, more experienced parents have told me, it's like you sort of get some distance from it and you just forget mm-hmm. how much, A, you forget how much it sucks, and then B, for a lot of times, your second ride on the roller coaster, which makes sense, isn't as stressful because you know you're just more experienced. And I would imagine, like, you don't, you're not as stressed because you have an awareness of what things are just part of the deal and what things are because something's wrong. There's there's also, like, so many hours. Like, you, you do entire classes about, like, how the how the birth is going to go and, like, what you're supposed to do and what you need to know. And, like, you do all this prep for, like, when the baby comes home, but then you come home with the baby and it's like, well, now what the hell am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not prepared for this part now, which is, like, a way bigger part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... Like, it's actually, like, I. it's much less valuable to have that instruction for the birth because Absolutely. the entire time when during the birth, there's anywhere from, like, at least during our experience, between anywhere from four to 12 other professionals in the room that are in charge and telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. And now our labor, labor well, our labor, like I did anything, uh, our labor was very, very short, almost insanely short uh but uh but then yeah you get home and it's just like oh he's been screaming for an hour and a half and <laughs> i have no idea what to do and i just want to die i and, and i'm i would also say I'm, I'm just sort of like i think every person sort of has strengths and weaknesses as a well all facets of life right and including as being a parent and i i don't really th- uh, th- between the the two of us and the hundreds of listeners i don't think raising an infant is really like in my wheelhouse <laughs> just if i could confess something privately to the two of you. i really i really don't like it uh, it really yeah. sucks guys i really i really can't wait i i'm this i may live to regret these words but i can't wait till he's like two uh yeah i mean you're halfway through the real awful time that, and that's that's the other thing is I was lied to by many 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 people about when it gets easier. Oh, it's yeah. I don't. I've 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 been a I've been a three month guy from the beginning. Well, it sucks. I, I for was three told months. fibs by nurses, acquaintances. That's because they want you friends. out of there. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I wanted to get out of there too. Uh, so I, I think I mean I I think like uh, the central premise of the movie is when you've got. And and I think sort of the movie implies it's partly because these are like three dudes who are just sort of swinging bachelors and you know didn't expect to have a baby. But and and a lot of women like sort of come into the scene into their living space and kind of give them like oh well you have to do this and they sort of naturally seem to know what they're doing, which is in it like I I I think it's accurate. No one knows what they're doing. Yeah, I actually baby. kind of enjoy the part where the uh, his uh, Tom Selleck's like you know on again off again girlfriend or whatever. He's like, I need your help. You're a woman, and she's like, No, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was actually a pretty wild thing to have happen in a 1987. Movie. For me, I think it's just, I think a lot of the jokes land, uh, <laughs> despite like the movie's efforts, and I really mean like Nimoy. Like he does not seem like a great director, and I think uh, we've talked about this. It's it's carried by the just raw charisma of uh, Tom Selleck and to a degree Ted Danson, but there's you know I don't think that Leonard Nimoy is that great with comedy, um, and there are actually some points where like the movie has to point out why something is funny, and that's never a good sign. Speeding yeah. stuff up is also pretty bad. Like, yeah, it does a lot yeah. of speeding stuff up, and I'm yeah. like, come on. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, so I think Rob and I got to win. Duff, uh, where, what did this insights of this movie give you into the uh, the having a baby lifestyle? That any surprises, uh, any reinforcement. It did it introduce any doubt? I can't imagine it did. I mean, between between this and your harrowing speech just now, I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, my my choices were just uh, listen. I figured out, God, it's m- probably more than ten years ago um, to live that dink life forever, and there's no, uh, there's never been any doubt going forward. And if anything, 
I mean, look, the ocean was on fire earlier this year. Come on. What what are we doing in this world? Like, <laughs> I, I think I, I think the issue is and, and like to bring it back to your dog thing is like, you know, sacrifice is fine. And, and it's certainly something that you expect and, and you embrace as a parent like and, 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 and you, I, you know, ideally you embrace in other aspects of your life. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's way you volunteer or, or service that you bring. You know, you you do things that aren't fun because you know it's going to help other people or it's going to help nature or, or whatever. Like this and, podcast we do. Of course, <laughs> yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, like, what what is really tough, and, and I think that this this baby is, what, nine months old, right? So it's it's quite a bit older than my son. Yeah. I, I think, uh, and and what's really tough in the, those first two, three months is like it, you're caring for this helpless little creature and it, it is completely and utterly incapable of showing you any affection at all. Like it can't smile. It can't laugh. It can only cry and sleep and like murmur and stuff. And then when you get to a, a baby that's older, like this one, like I think like all, all I've all, I almost swore all I need is just, just laugh one time <laughs> just smile one time and it would make it would make hours and hours of misery worth it and and that and i know that that's coming and and that's actually really so, soon for you i think smiling happens pretty soon yeah he well i can't really I, I don't believe that it's real but my wife i mean thinks i'm he's smiling but i don't i think he's just grimacing and listen listen <laughs> Because the oceans are on fire. Yeah, listen, he's, he just can't see. see he's reading all Duff's tweets and. Uh... <laughs> listen, I'm thirty. Oh, no! I'm thirty-eight and still waiting for the smile thing to happen. So, <laughs> so the, what I was gonna say is, you know, I opened talking about uh, fostering dogs, but last summer during COVID was when we were fostering dogs, and we had one time we had um, this Shiba Inu <laughs> named Marina. Beautiful and dog. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this dog, except for the part where uh, just this always, like, I would work, uh, again, this is pandemic, at home with, and Marina would be in, would hang out with me in the guest room, and every time, like, and every time. The guest room, a.k.a. your night terrors room? Or is there yeah. a different <laughs> your night terrors? Wherever I lay my head is night terror room. <laughs> Uh, but like just <laughs> every time, you know, the dog moved, I'd be like, oh no, is this dog going to poop again on the floor? Like it was, it was just kind of, you know, the idea of you're never At rest. always, yeah. yeah, you're, you know, and that, I think some of that is also biological. It's just, I have to watch this thing or it's going to mess up my floors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Marina was Marina was a good dog though. Good times with Marina. Aside from all the bathroom issues. Did you just leave it at some did you find three bachelors and leave leave that we, dog at their door? We, we found a very nice couple. It was my wife's co workers and uh Marina is now named Coda and uh maybe I'll I'll see her soon. Aw, that's good. That's nice. i from you know, from uh what I hear and I see on Instagram, Coda's doing really well. Good. We should also mention that uh, there is going to be a remake of this on Disney Plus with Zac Efron. <laughs> of course, there is. So. Who's who? Who are going to be his sidekicks? I saw that I the Zac Efron thing. Steve Gutenberg is going to be one of them. <laughs> I hope that it's like sixty-ish year old Steve Gutenberg just <laughs> pretending to be like friends with with Zac Efron. They... <laughs> can I? Can I just float a name? He's he's too old. But okay. can I get? Can I? Can I float a superior Steve? For the Steve Gutenberg thing, okay. Sure, Steve's on. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, he's underrated. That Steve's on. I think Steve Zahn would be better in that movie than Tony Danza, so he passes the test. <laughs> yep. I. So. I now want to see what what it. Well, we need two leads to flesh it out. What if we get Steve Zahn and Tony Danza with Zac Efron? I'm okay with it. Uh. I want to see the screen test, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. You're going to make him audition? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, uh, so, Joe, what are we talking about next week? Yeah, we're going to get into, like, this is a, one I've never seen before. Uh, yeah, me neither. I'm excited. Well, I don't know. Given some of the, uh, there's there's some reasons to be excited and some reasons to not be. 
Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, uh, it's from a couple years later. It's called Parenthood, another hit movie, and um, which was eventually a blockbuster, like uh, Three Men and a Baby. But eventually made into that TV show, which I don't know if it's still on. It's been also directed by twice. Also directed by someone who got famous on TV. Yeah, so Ron Howard's Parenthood, starring the great Steve Martin, uh, got some love in our Patreon poll, and it seems like a thing I really want to talk about for at least one episode is, like, work-life balance as Mm. as a father, and it seems like that's the center of this sort of family comedy slash drama, I guess it seems to be, and sort of balancing being around, you know, for your kids while also being you know, having your own career and your own life outside of it. And and, now, and I, I think it, I don't know, it seems like an interesting one to talk about. So that's what not, we're going to do next. Not to, not to wet Rob's whistle, but I think that's also a big 30-something construct, is <laughs> that the work-life thing. Here's here's my hard sell on this movie. The number one letterbox review for it <laughs> <laughs> simply says, there's a scene in this movie where Keanu Reeves describes Joaquin Phoenix masturbating as, quote, Slapping the salami to Diane Weist. I want to see this more now. What are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? All right. Oh, so we have that to look forward to. Listen, that's right. a that's a stellar cast, by the way. It is. It is. So uh, next week, Parenthood will, and you know, by the end of this season, you know, um, people should know everything they need all, to know on how to. All you'll that. need is this podcast. You don't need Ailes books. You yep. Don't, don't need anything. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, as always, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. Uh, we will have uh, episodes for this season on there as well. I'm not sure what those will be yet. And uh, you can always just pay $2 and get access to our monthly episodes. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, why not? Yeah.